uh, pray for us, and then we'll, we'll dive in. Uh, Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you so much for the great privilege to study uh, your word. Uh, we pray as we open your word now that you would just uh, teach us, give us wisdom and grace, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, we're going to be walking through um, the uh, the text today. So if you have, you have your Bible, we're going to be there. Uh, so we'll start with uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Uh, we'll kind of read through uh, that and then uh, go from from there. Uh, so uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, uh, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covenants must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, no crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do, do not become partakers with them, for, the, for at one time you were in darkness, and now, uh, and now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. Uh, we're only going to look at a few verses tonight. We're going to look at verses 6 through uh, 10. Uh, so we just want to look at this, this kind of walk through this text. The first idea here is do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. First, we need to understand that there is active deception happening. I think that one of the things that we kind of uh, forget about is that uh, we forget about there actually is um, uh, an adversary that is trying to uh, deceive us. And I think that if we go through life passive and we don't understand what is what is happening, we're going to be in, in trouble. Um, we want to see the first is that there is the, the flesh has that gives us an, a potential uh, to um, be deceived. Because we are um, fallen, because we belong to this world, because of the sin of Adam and Eve, there is flesh in us so that we now have the potential to be deceived. I think that sometimes when we are kind of overconfident, uh, we forget of the, the consequence of our own uh, sin. So we want to remember that, one, that we are fleshly, and because of our flesh, we are open to be deceived uh, by, um, by the evil one right? By the devil, right? So there is an adversary. We know this in the scriptures that the devil is a roaring lion uh, seeking for someone to devour. He is actively trying to uh, get us, get our eyes off of Christ and to deceive us. And his deception is, is manifold in terms of how he tries to get after us. You know, he, he doesn't have a lot of plays. Uh, he goes after the same things, but he just disguises them in, in lots of different ways. Uh, when I played high school uh, football, um, our team, my senior year, did not have um, lots of weapons. We had one great receiver, and we had a great um, quarterback. Uh, and we ran pretty much four plays, uh, but the four plays looked different every time. So we just tried to disguise it with a lot of motion, but it was the same play every time. And that's really what Satan does. Satan doesn't try to, um, you know, come up with lots of different 
uh, plays, he plays after pride or, your, or, or lust or, or coveting, as it sees here in, in this text. But he goes after the same thing. He just disguises it in lots of different uh, ways. And one of the ways the devil attacks us is, is through the world. The, the, the world is the system that uh, stands opposed to uh, Christ. Um, and we, you know, we think about the, the, the devil and his minions, those who are actively trying to thwart us in our faith, um, trying to deceive us. Sometimes he comes as an angel of light, um, but he comes at us in our weakness. So if you are um, interested, uh, for example, in trying to buy a kayak, right? And you go and do some searches in, hey, kayaks, and you go to Academy and you look at all these different kayaks. Well, pretty soon when you go to your uh, Facebook feed or Amazon, all of a sudden there's these ads for kayaks. What in the world? Why are these, these ads for kayaks? Well, because they're trying to tempt you to buy because they, they know that's what you, what you want. And that's really what the devil does. And, and it kind of the system of this world is trying to get you to allure to you, to tempt you with the things that may be most uh, pressing to you. Now, he's a not omniscient. Uh, he's not omnipresent. So he's not there all the time. He doesn't have all knowledge, but he does have lots of knowledge. And he has knowledge of the word of God. And one of the things that the uh, the devil's trying to do with his dominions is he's trying to deceive us with empty uh, words. Um, those uh, empty words that, that he brings are those that are, 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 are not of truth. They are, they're futile. They're, they're full of um, vanity, right? We'll get into that a lot when we dig into uh, Ecclesiastes, but they don't point us to the truth. They point us to things which are false. And there's lots of empty words that are happening uh, in the world and, and, and sadly in the church. I think many people are deceived. Um, many preachers are deceived and they give people false, false words, empty words. They kind of give them false hope and lead them to a place that is not of the Lord. Um, so let no one deceive you with empty words. So what Paul is saying here is that no one should be deceived. Remember the context we had last week about those who are living in sexual morality uh, there were certain teachers in Paul's day that was saying that you can live in sexual morality and be okay. Uh, you can practice sexual morality because the body uh, is, is doing things in the body is different than doing things in the spirit. There's just lots of false teaching that was, that was circling. So Paul is saying specifically, let no one deceive you with empty words saying that you can sin and be okay with God. And how many times do we see that today? about people saying that you can continue to sin, whether that sin is homosexuality or cohabitation or other things, you can continue to sin and be all right with God. The, the verse that we read in, in verse uh, five, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who, who is sexually immoral or pure or covetous has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And sadly, that's what, that's what people are, are saying. Um, but not only that, we want to understand that there is wrath coming. So you look at verse 6, it says, No one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon. So what? first of all, the question is, what is the wrath of God? The wrath of God is God's anger against sin. Uh, it's, it's what he's going to pour out on all sin and sinners at the end of time. We get different pictures of that throughout the scriptures. Uh, you can see going back to the flood, is the, the flood was a sign of God's wrath coming down to judge uh, the world. Uh, we see that in, in the plagues. Uh, God's uh, uh, wrath was coming down against the Egyptians, increasing in measure. And if you look at the, the, the plagues in Exodus uh, chapter, um, you know, uh, what, 10 through, through you know, 16, uh, what you see is that that's kind of a foreshadowing even to the end of time when we look at that in um, Revelation. So we want to make sure that we understand what the, the um, wrath of God is, God's justice and anger towards sin. Uh, and then just very 
is it coming? Well, it says right here, yes, it's coming. The wrath of God comes. And I think the reason why I even ask that question is because many today don't want to think about the wrath of God coming. They don't want to think about God's justice. They don't want to think about God's anger towards sin. And even in, Christ, in Christians, Christians don't often want to think about God's wrath coming. We don't want to talk about God's wrath. We don't want people to preach about God's wrath. But beloved, God's wrath is coming. It will come against judgment to those who, who live in disobedience against uh, the Lord. But not only that, we see on who is it coming. It says right here in the text, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Now we think about the sons of disobedience are those who do not know the Lord, who, who are living in defiance against God and his word. Uh, now there, there may be people who are deceived thinking that they can um, experience God's blessing while living in sexual morality. Well, God says, do not be, do not be deceived. You will have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. The wrath of God is coming against the sons of disobedience. Now, remember, he's speaking to the church here. So when he's speaking to the church, you know, he's telling us how, therefore, we should live. Uh, we should live um, to be light. So this is in verse 7, therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. We're called to be light. Uh, so the command here is do not partner. Right? Do not partner with um, that which is of uh, disobedience. Okay. Um, but we want to see, if I to ask the question, are you partnering? What is it, you know, we have to ask ourselves, are we living in a way that would partner with the sons of disobedience? Now, remember, what is the context of the passage? Now, the context of the passage here above, sexual morality, impurity, covetousness, uh, filthy talk, foolish talk, crude joking. So I guess the first question I would ask you is, are, are you joining in with people in filthy talk, in making crude jokes? Um, are you are you saying things that is not godly or edifying or encouraging? But also, are you participating with those who practice sexual immorality, right? You know, we, we know that the, the temptation is very real out there when it comes to sexual mor morality and the level of, of pornography. Are you joining with them? I pray that if you are, that you would turn, right? Not only are you joining with them, I think this is something that many of us here would say, well, no, I'm not, not joining with them. But the, are you approving what they do? right? Are you approving? That may, might be a little bit different, right? You may not actively be one who's using filthy jokes or, or using crude, crude humor, but are you laughing at it? Are you reveling in it? Uh, that could be in a, in a TV show that you watch, that you, that you quote, that has crude joking that you kind of highlight. You know, we mentioned it last week is that we tend to laugh at that which causes God uh, pain and, and grief, are you approving what others do? Uh, I pray that you would, would not, because the command is very clear. Therefore, do not become partners with them. We do not want to become partners, because what happens, what you do in secret leads to that which you do in, in public. Uh, and things that you do in secret will one day come to light. So I pray that whatever you're doing, that you're not partakers of darkness, Right that you are not doing things in the darkness because that which is done in the darkness once will become public. It may not even be become public in this life, but it will definitely become public uh, and at the final day when the Lord will judge everyone for what they do in this life, good or bad. Well, one thing we also want to see is the reason why we want to do this. This is the important thing is that the reason that we can uh, don't want to become partakers of, of darkness is that we are light. This is the definition of a Christian. You are 
light. We've seen that through the Sermon on the Mount, those of you who are doing that study. You are the light of the world. You are uh, the salt of the earth. These are things that God defines us as. We are light. We are commanded to be a light to the nations, to help people see the glory of Christ, to see our good deeds, to glorify our God in heaven, to, to see our our kindness and our gentleness, to, that people may glorify God on the day of, of visitation. We are light in the Lord. Um, so the first question I want to ask you is, have you been brought from darkness to light? Have you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as, as Lord and, and Savior? Have you um, repented of your sins and trusted in Christ? Have you trusted in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ as your only hope? Do you realize that you are in darkness, that you are a sinner, and that you need a Savior, that you need one to come and, and, and save you and rescue from your, your darkness? Well, the way that we move from darkness is to light is to repent is to expose our sinfulness. John chapter 3 makes this very clear that, that, that God came into the world that loved darkness, and we didn't want to come to the light lest our deeds would be exposed. But when we expose our, our deeds and say we are sinners and we need a Savior, we move from, from darkness to, to light. Uh, this is what First Peter chapter 2 says, is that we have the, the great privilege to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us from darkness to light. That's what Jesus Christ has done. I pray that you would first and foremost follow Christ yourself. Second, I would say, are you walking in the light? Are you walking in the light? Uh, you may have been one who, who follows Christ now, but are you one who was, is follow Christ in the future, or in the past rather, but are you walking in the light now? Uh, if you read 1 John, 1 John in terms of whether you are walking with Christ or against him really comes down to whether you're walking in the light. And if we walk and live in sin, we're walking in darkness. So I pray that you would turn from whatever sin is in your life and that you would walk in the light. Now, there may be not any major sins in your life right now that what, what I'm talking about, but look at how Paul kind of turns this, right? We want to uh, be right here. We want to uh, be walk as children of, of the light, right? Uh, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So let me just kind of go through this very quick, quickly. We want to walk as children of the light. Well, how do we do that? Well, we want to walk in the fruit of the light. Verse 9, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. We want to live in such a way to glory and to, to rejoice in what is good, what is right, and what is true. That should be our heart's desire. Right, Philippians 4, uh, 8 and, and 9 says something very, very similar. Uh, let me just read that uh, to you. So Philippians chapter 4, uh, verse 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence or if there's anything worthy of praise, think about such things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So, it's not just that are we, are we sinning greatly, but is our, is, our, is our life rejoicing in that which is good, that which is right, and that which is true? And that's a question I think that each one of you can ask. You can ask your, yourselves and, and try to be, to, be, to be refined. We see this also in Galatians chapter 5, which talks about the fruit of the Spirit, uh, and then he talks about the, the works of darkness. Maybe just read those passages and say, okay, which one represents my life? Right? What are certain areas of the fruit of the Spirit, joy, gentleness, peace, kindness, self-control that I can grow in? Right? What are the things that the Lord is calling me to put to, put to death in, in the flesh? Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, you know, therefore, in view of God's mercies, what Jesus Christ has done for us, 11 chapters that is unpacked in the gospel, um, 
offer your bodies a living sacrifice to the Lord, right? You know, renew your mind, right? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so you can test and approve what God's will is, good, perfect, and pleasing will. So we want to make sure that our minds are, are sharp in the Lord. So just very clearly right there at the end, it says, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Right. And I think this is something that we really need to think through. And this is, it's not easy. It's sometimes it's easier when someone says just do a and not do B. Right. It's very, it's very, it's very simple. It's very black and white, but to discern what is pleasing to the Lord is, is a whole different ballgame because it goes back from what is allowable, what is permissible for what is beneficial. And there may be things in your Christian life that are allowable, are permissible, but they may not be good for your soul. So you have to ask yourself, is this pleasing to the Lord? We're trying to discern what that is. So how do we do that? Well, we read the word of God. Does it, what does God's word say about it? Are, is there any clear command in the scriptures that says we should avoid these things? Well, I think the Bible makes it very clear about sexual morality, about coveting, uh, you know, about anger, about pride. We should completely avoid, avoid those things. But there's other things the word of God may mention as well that may be more allusions or implicitly mentioned. So we want to study the word of God. We want to write God's word upon our heart. Um, I encourage you to, to continue to read through the Sermon on the Mount with us as, as a congregation, or just continue to, to develop times of, of personal devotion. Uh, John Whitaker interviewed me recently on the podcast about personal devotions and quiet times. And I commend that to you to kind of think through, hey, how do I practice uh, personal devotions? Uh, pray, right? Ask God. The Lord says very clearly in his word, if we pray and we seek his face, that he will, he will give the Holy Spirit to, to those who, whom who ask. If we ask for wisdom, he will give us a wisdom. So I pray that you would ask God, God, is this right? Should I do A or should I do B, right? Should I watch this show or should I not? Should I continue to, uh, to have a Netflix subscription or should I not? Should I, you know, watch R-rated movies in the future? What, what about movies that have profanity in them? I mean, what, how old should my children be before they watch movies with me? I mean, all these different kind of questions. You should pray and seek the Lord's face in these things. Uh, and lastly, I think you, just, you, you want to think, right? You want to think. I know that seems kind of silly. Well, you just said the word of God and you want to pray, but sometimes we just don't want to think. And I think God wants you to think. That's what the idea of discern. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Think and ask questions. Take, take a, a sheet of paper and do a pro and con list. Should I do this and should I not? Uh, because the reason why we don't think is because we don't often want to know the answer. <laughs> we don't want to know where the Lord is leading us because he may be leading us where our flesh may not want to go. Uh, and lastly, I would just say you know, we want to seek out a counsel from, from Christian brothers and sisters, right? Uh, you know, this is the idea of not, not just sinful things that we're doing, that we're bringing to the light, but maybe things that we just need, we have questions about, right? You know, I mean, should I watch this show or not? Right. I mean, that's kind of a, a very silly question, but, you know, I mean, I haven't seen it, but some people who have Netflix talked about the Tiger King. You know, people are asking, should I, as a Christian, watch this show? Right. Some people even meant, I mentioned Tiger King have a they may smile, I think. Or some people say, I have no idea what you're talking about, Pastor. Well, I mean, these are the things that are in our culture. We have to ask ourselves, should I engage in this or should I not? Some people say, well, I think we should engage in this so we can have a conversation with our our lost neighbors about it. Well, that's, that's one avenue. Or you can say, you know what, I'm choosing not to do that. So when my neighbor asks me, have I seen this show? I say, no, I haven't watched it. Here's why I don't watch it because of these things, you know? Um, but also one of the things that happens when you seek counsel from your Christian brothers and sisters, it brings to the light and it creates unity. And then you know what it may do, it may help them think through things in their own life to help them discern how they can discern what is pleasing to the Lord so that they can be, uh, better lights for Christ. Um, cause we will ultimately want to please the Lord. 
So we want to just kind of end here. Hebrews 11.6. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Uh, the, the Bible says in this passage that we just, we just were going through in Ephesians, it says that the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. But beloved, the, ra- the wrath of God is not coming upon those who please the Lord. Those who have faith in him must believe that he exists, that God is real, and that he will reward those who seek him. The reward that we get is God himself living in his presence forevermore, that we get to be one with Christ, co-heirs for eternal life. Uh, God has promised us much, but it all comes through faith. This is not coming through our own mere will and effort. This comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And we demonstrate our faith because faith without works is dead. We demonstrate that faith by living and walking as children of the light. So I pray that you would please the Lord, that you would try to discern what pleases the Lord in your own life so that you would be one of faith that believes that God exists and that believe that he will reward those who walk in that faith. Well, uh, amen. Uh, Let me just offer a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for this time and the word we pray as a congregation that we would be those who walk in light. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.